Welcome to The Lucent Perspective. I'm your host, Rebecca Hastings. I've spent over a decade working with executives in the tech sector and helped successful companies build their leadership teams and scale. During my career, I've been lucky to have the privilege of learning from many exceptional leaders. In these conversations, you'll get perspectives from peers, be inspired, and learn what it takes to become one of the best. This is your chance to listen to experts talking about the challenges, solutions, and the vital insights they've gained in their careers to date. If you want to be a great place to work and you want people to come and work with you in that great place to work, then really being able to kind of demonstrate that you that you care about social value, you're passionate about it, it's in your DNA, that really matters to people. Amabel is the CEO of Bloom Procurement Services, which is the leading public sector fully managed marketplace. Amabel, there are just absolutely so many things that I'd love to cover with you. But before we get into lots of the topics, the first thing I want to do is just congratulate you on securing a place on the Times Great Places to Work list recently. Um, your chief people officer, Pam, actually taught me through the results. And one of the things that like stood out to me as someone who's worked internally in people operations is just like how consistently over the last few years you have moved the metrics over like multiple areas just incrementally. Um, to like really boost that positive culture and employee experience. So tell us, what are your top tips for developing a positive culture? Uh, well, hi, Rebecca. It's, first of all, it's great to be here. And uh, yes, thank you. We're absolutely delighted with, um, uh, with that result on the, on the Times Great Places to Work list. We're very, very proud of, of, of what we've achieved. So, well, I guess, firstly, you need to decide what sort of culture you're looking for in the business. You know, what's going to result in the most productive and engaged workforce? Uh, and of course, employee productivity is one of the most critical aspects of running a successful business. So you need to have a clear sense of what the organisation is culturally defined by. Um, and then you need to lead and persuade the organisation into choosing that culture for themselves. Uh, and then I guess you also need to ensure you only hire employees who are, who are able to, you know, square their interests with that model. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, one of the, the, the major parts of uh, you know building a successful culture in a business that people often forget is they don't target employee happiness, and that's actually a really critical aspect of productivity. Uh, and studies have shown that um, happy employees are, are sort of ten to twelve percent more productive. Well, that's fantastic. So you're saying you know really choose what your culture is going to be and make sure that everyone who's on board. It, well, coming on board is on board with what the new culture is going to be and then making sure that that results in everyone's happiness. So um, talk us through the journey that you've been on around culture. Um, like One of the things that I always find so interesting about Bloom is like I could almost guess what some of your cultural attributes are just from speaking to different people across the business. And I've spoken to people in four or five teams and like, there are really consistent behaviours. And then obviously working with you, I'm aware of these like trademark behaviours that you have. So firstly, tell us, what are the trademark behaviours and how did you choose them? So, well, what we did was we engaged with the whole business um, in a really collaborative way and actually asked the business what they thought our trademark behaviours should be. So it's quite interesting because, well, the three trademark behaviours are we work together, we are real and true, and we are curious. 
Now, you'll probably see a lot of company values that, that talk about collaboration and authenticity and innovation. And actually, our trademark behaviours do mirror those values. But because they've come up through the business, they, they sort of said, no, we don't want, everybody says, be authentic. You know, what does that mean? Let, what we want is we are real and true because we really feel like we can grab hold of that and, um, and, and work with that. Um, but I do believe authentic leadership is vital and really important to keep the culture alive. Um, but that sort of we are, we are real and true really works for us as a trademark behaviour. And then we are curious. That's definitely something that I've encountered. And I think that lots of companies talk about being curious, but actually it's like the way in which you go about it is very thoughtful and people being you know, inquisitive for the right reasons. It's you know always very uh, positive in terms of the dialogue that um, people seem to have. Yeah. And it's sort of giving people a license to say, you know, er- everything we do every day, you know, is there a better way that we can do it? Let's Let's get curious about you know, the right formula and the right, and the right recipe. Um, and there's always room for improvement, right? So it's, just, it's having that, um, you know, real curiosity about, um, uh, about finding, you know, the best way to do something, for example. Definitely. And you talk, you talk about how like you went out to the business to get people to have like feedback and input into what these behaviors should be. H- how did you go about doing that? Because there's some companies where it's just, they'll just send out emails and surveys. What what kind of process did you guys deploy? No, we actually had collaborative um, working sessions. Um, and uh, so we, we sort of launched, um, you know, the redefining of the culture as a, as a, as a, as a little mini program. Um, and we had a wider team consult on it. And then that went down to a, you know, a smaller team um, who really did all the sort of um, real kind of legwork behind it. And then they, Fed all of the, that back up to the exec. Um, you know, I think they, they it was a fantastic result. Um, and you know, these these things don't really work so well if it, if they come top down. Um, I think coming up from the business means that you know that we really care about them. Yeah, and it's so refreshing to hear because there are companies that I've gone to work with and they didn't have their values. So a leadership team have the whole. Oh, God, we've got we've got thirty minutes. Let's let's choose five words that we put on the wall. And I th- I think that really getting everyone on board it is more time consuming. But the way you've described, it's not just like you sent out a survey or an email for those who are interested. It sounds like this has been like quite a thorough approach. And you know, as you're going through that, it is kind of like helping to embed those values that you've ended up with within the business. It's definitely you know, a, a more like thorough and disciplined way of doing it. And it takes more time, but I think it is more successful ultimately. And how, so how has this process of, you know, getting the culture more aligned and improving the work environment, um, like how has that impacted the business and your customers? So, you know, um, so, so great question. So in terms of um, impacting the business, it's, it's had a really significant effect on our retention metrics they they've really improved which of course has a direct impact on the bottom line because everybody every time somebody leaves a business you know you've got the cost of recruitment and then and then training that new starter of course people will always leave for good and positive reasons um but essentially i i want you know committed and productive people who've got you know the right skills and experience and who are really committed to to what we do at bloom and and then feel happy in their jobs 
But you know that um, that uh, retention percentage improved from sixty percent to eighty eight percent. Yeah, which is, which is very significant. Um, and um, and I guess you know how has it in, impacted our customers? Well, it's it's a known factor really that happy employees means happy customers. Uh, and there's a there's a Gallup um, report that I read, um, and in that they state that uh, employees who are who are engaged are more likely to improve customer relationships, resulting in a twenty percent increase in sales. So there's some good data out there to show you that um, you know ha- happy people should be happy mean happy customers. And there's been some other really positive things that I think have happened in Bloom over the last couple of years around innovation and um, like things that have really moved the business forward. You know, so there's definitely additional benefits that are probably there. Now, I've, as I said, I've alluded to, I've worked with a lot of businesses where they talk about their values um, and maybe there is a real aspiration, but they don't always get them into action. And I can definitely vouch for the fact that I seem to have seen them as a bit more consistent within Bloom than um, a couple of other businesses. And I think that that's a real achievement, um, getting them embedded and having that behaviour aligned is the hardest part. So please tell us, how have you achieved it? What tips would you share with other executives? So no, I mean, it's massively important. You can go through these exercises and then, you know, put these things in in, in a bottom drawer and, and, and that's that. So it's really important to kind of live and breathe them on a daily basis, which which we we, we uh, strive to do. So a few areas, really. We've got a, a monthly um, uh, award or awards for um, demonstrating those trademark behaviours. Um, and that's where colleagues will nominate another colleague uh, and um, and call out. You know, sometimes it's all three, um, but but sometimes it's you know one or two of those um, behaviours. We've got an online platform where colleagues can um, give other colleagues a, a shout out for doing something great, uh, which can just be a general kind of thumbs up, uh, but it, or it can be demonstrating a particular trademark behaviour. So that that um, is always open, um, and we get lots of nominations through that. And then actually, quite importantly, it's, it is now part of our um, performance review process. So you might hit all your objectives in, 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 um, uh, in, in terms of your, you know, your role objectives, but unless you are also demonstrating the trademark behaviours, you'll, you'll get marked down. Um, so you know, that's essentially um, intended to drive the right behaviour. So if you... Um, uh, Want to run over other and push other people out of the way to achieve your objectives, then then uh, uh, you won't get as good marks as if you um, you are real and true um, and work together with your colleagues achieving those objectives. And I think the combination of all of that makes it much easier to create an environment where there's a lot of psychological safety for things to bubble up to the surface that you need to know about. And there's a lot of different ways in which people are being incentivized, um, you know, through feedback there. So um, is that something that you've seen within the business, any benefits from? Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, the other part of that online platform is, is that, that um, any colleague can feedback um, anonymously at any time if they've got any issues. Um, So it is very much an early warning system um, in terms of, um, and our people team look after that platform and, and, well, that, as I say, it's anonymous, but they'll go straight back to somebody um, 
you know, if there are any concerns, um, if people aren't feeling um, safe. We also run a, a large number of, you know, well-being courses and there are all sorts of opportunities there um, for people to get support, you know, over and above um, what you might expect as standard if that should be the case. That's very positive to hear. So anyone who's worked in a startup or scale-up business knows that it's like incredibly challenging for there to be like leadership teams to, you know, consistently have, you know, um, like excellent stores and get people on board, especially like just during through periods of growth. There's so much that's changing. Um, but I see that you guys did that when I was analyzing the results. So how have you and your team done that? How have you really kind of like fostered that consistent leadership? You know, I guess it starts with hiring the right people, um, you know, who've got great leadership and, and, and communication skills in particular. And then also ensuring uh, that those who get promoted from within, uh, where, where we are, um, where we've got a, a great track record, actually, I'm very passionate about um, ensuring that we do promote from within where we can. Um, but those people in new roles then get the training and support that they need to develop the skills in terms of leadership if they haven't already got them. Um, and, you know, I really believe in, in authentic um Leadership. So, you know, authentic leaders have got better relationships, higher levels of trust, and they create a much more positive working environment. And I guess, you know, the other aspect of a, of a fast growing company is the rate of change. Now, we talked a few years ago, Bloom, about um, some individuals perhaps uh, feeling what they call change fatigue. But rather than be down about it, I think it, it actually one of the most positive moments for me was saying, no, do you know, actually, change is good. We, we are a really fast-growing organisation and there will always be change. So that's an attribute of Bloom, which um, each individual um, needs to um, enjoy and relish and like being part of. Um, and if somebody doesn't enjoy change and really hates it, then it's probably not the best place in the world for them. Because it is just, it, it's one of those, um, uh, as an organisation, we are, we're always changing in a positive way. So I think something that comes out to me there is you actually know what you are and um, are not shying away from that because it, like, change, it can be pretty tiring. I think it's always much easier if there's like strong communication behind the change and people understand why the change is happening. Change is really positive sometimes. But yeah, for knowing how to assess people and that you are assessing them is sometimes something businesses forget. They they maybe just look at it and think, oh well they'll probably be adaptable because they've worked in a few startups. Actually I think that there's personality traits that you should be looking at if you want to assess someone's ability to cope and well thrive really in a changing environment you know like you know the curiosity that's definitely one of them and you've got that in your trademark behaviors but you know th you know a bit, bit of resilience that openness to listening to other people's suggestions because like, nobody has all of the ideas for all of the change <laughs> no, that's right and you know and change has to be really well managed so you know, when it when it's when it's chaotic, um, and um, only achieved through kind of problem solving, um, and mm -hmm. dealing when they come up, then then it's not being carefully managed. And actually, one of the things um, we've done in the last twelve months, because we've got even more change coming with a few new um, 
products and so on, um, is that we, we, we have a change in transformation office now. So anything that requires significant change, you know, like uh, uh, our new marketplace, um, that is being run at change and transformation office. So, you know, take take the um, uh, the unknown out of it. Try and plan for everything that you can, um, and um, and you know, work together, work as a team, um, and you can, then you can make these things much much simpler. Without the kind of uh, there will always be stress because these things just you know, things that are difficult can be can be stressful. But take the maximum. Um, uh, of the unknown out um, and plan as, um, as well as you can. And then you've got a winning chance. People would quite often associate with like a big bank or a large corporate. And it, it's something I have seen in some other businesses that are you know starting to scale or going through that journey. Um, but it's, it's not common. Was there anything that inspired you or that you like learned from that made that come about? Sure. Yes. I mean, when I I w- was in a previous organisation that went through the same, I was chief operating officer, um, in an organisation that went through the same growth journey that Bloom is going through, um, and um, and that business grew um really fast in about five years, um, when I was with it. So, uh, we had we were lucky enough because we had a team in that business of implementation consultants who were working with customers implementing um it was e procurement technology we we realized internally that we would never get anything done if it didn't have an allocated project manager so what we did is we every one of those implementation consultants they all had side projects that were internal projects and then you mm-hmm. would get things done um so it's that concept really um and then you know we are we are a private equity backed business um and that means um a high growth business and highly ambitious, uh, and it's actually quite—it's it, not unusual to have a change tr- and transformation office. Sounds very grand. Um, there are three people in that team, um, and uh, uh, so it's not unusual to have that function. So I, I know you joined Bloom in 2018. You were the CTO and the COO before becoming the CEO, and I know that you're related to there as well. You held leadership positions in several procurement businesses. And you worked in the public sector at the Crown Commercial Services. So one thing that stood out to me about your career that's like slightly unusual is you're actually the CEO of quite a high growth tech kind of platform business now. And in the past, you've worked in the public sector. A lot of people would think that's an unusual mix. Um, what, but what do you think that private sector can really learn from the public sector? Because you're really enmeshed with a lot of those organizations and seeing how they're overcoming challenges on a regular basis. I'd love to hear your insights. Sure. I mean, I guess, you know, one of the reasons why I've been in and out of um, the public and the private sector, um, and and actually when I've been in the private sector, it's always been providing products and a service into the public sector. Um, But I've always just really followed the, the role, followed my heart when it comes to selecting my next role. Um, and, my, and my passion is about driving value in public sector procurement through the use of technology, um, and that's what I've always done. Um, so I guess in terms of what the private sector can learn from the public sector, it's about that sense yeah. of purpose, um, a sense of achievement, because you're making other people's lives better in some way. Uh, so recently I was actually reading um, about a concept. Have you heard of Ikigai? No, enlighten me. It's a combination of 
what are you really passionate about? What are you good at? What can you be paid for? And what the world needs? And if you can get yourself into put all those in a Venn diagram and put yourself in the middle, then you've sort of hit that that perfect place. The sweet spot. Yeah. Sweet spot. So so I think you know, and that's really um that's combining some of those, you know, working for the greater good in terms of social value, which doesn't just mean social value out there in the community, it's also um uh within. So looking after our own colleagues and so on. Um and uh yeah, so so the greater good, combine it with what you're passionate about, what somebody will actually pay you for. Yeah. Um, um and what you're good at. It's obviously a good idea if you if you try and do what you're good at, right? Yeah, totally. And I think that that would make for a lot of that happiness. If you're doing something where everything is aligned and success is far more likely, then and you're adding more value, it can just become, um, you know, a cycle that's really positive and reinforcing. Yeah. So social value is something that is really embedded into Bloom. And, you know, I've heard people talk about it a lot you've given a bit of an overview but i'm i'm just interested to know a bit more about how you balance the business's commerciality and that social value element because you know tech for good is something that people talk about more and more at the moment and certainly the candidates that i'm speaking with like so many people really want that purpose and direction to be aligned with their skills um but there isn't always a huge degree of commerciality bedded into those businesses. Some of them incredibly commercial and remarkably fast paced and stuff, but, but not always consistently. So um, tell us, tell us a bit more about social value and how you align that commerciality. Sure. So, I mean, I guess social value, it, you know, it, it's a broader understanding of value. Um, so it's, it sort of moves beyond, um, just using money as the main indicator of value, and it's about you know the well-being of, of individuals and communities, of, and and looking after both the social and um, physical environment. Um, so you know organisations um, on balance should they basically aim to create a net positive impact, both in the present, but then also for a sustainable future. Well, and people really care about about social value and that sustainable aspect of what businesses are delivering. And if you if you want to be a great pe- place to work and you want people to come um, at, and 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 work with you in that great place to work, then really um, b- being able to kind of demonstrate that you that you care about social value, you're passionate about it, it's in your DNA. That really matters to people. So you know, it's part of it's part of that bloom story. So happier, more productive people will will have have that impact on the bottom line. So that's really you know a large element of what the what the commerciality is about. Totally, and not everyone is like mo- motivated by money. Like people want to have a lot of purpose around what they're doing. So thank you so much for sharing a lot about the culture with us. Uh, do you know another thing that I've noticed about Bloom that's a bit different? And I think this is actually um, becoming quite topical for a lot of organizations, especially like sales leaders in tech companies just now. It's like um, 
businesses are waking up to the fact that procurement is really changing. And in the procurement process, people are talking about there being more scoring and waiting on tenders like towards the ESG credentials of businesses. Um, You know, obviously like driving and demonstrating a diverse business and something that's sustainable is critical to that. But I know you also have a head of sustainability at Bloom and, you know, it's a bit like the head of transformation and change. It's, it's a bit unusual within a startup business. So um, it would be great if you could tell us a bit about how businesses are being assessed on their ESG credentials, first of all, because I think that's something which is you know, um, quite topical at the moment. No, no, absolutely. And of course, we, we at Bloom, we know an awful lot about um, procurement evaluation because it's, it, it's a core part of what we do. Um, so we work with a lot of our public sector clients as to how we include social value in a procurement and how that's scored um, and then how we measure it um, when that project is, is either being delivered or, or has been delivered. Um, so, so that is becoming a key part of, um, of procurement evaluations. And then in terms of uh, our head of sustainability, he was a member of our exec board. So it's a really, you know, it's a key role for us. I think you'll find um, as time goes on um, that most organisations will start thinking about they need a sustainability manager, they need a head of sustainability, they need a chief sustainability officer. Yeah, you know, as a business bro, um, I mean that that's absolutely um, uh, it, it, it's a crucial role. And if we didn't have um, our head of sustainability, who's uh, been working really hard the last couple of years, pulling together the strategy, implementing the plan. He's absolutely passionate about it. Um, you know, it's it's a really interesting role and really interesting um, career for people moving forward, I think. And one of the fantastic things about it is, is that it involves every single part of the business. Yeah. So, you know, every, from marketing to operations to technology, every part of the business. It'd be interesting to see where those chief sustainability officers of the future come from. Do they come from operations or risk and compliance or legal? I think there's going to be a, um, or even, you know, technology, it's, was it depends on the the business. Um, I, th- I think that'll be quite interesting to see how um, that role matures over time. And in terms of like assessing the diversity within businesses or maybe looking at gender pay gap? Is, is that something that you ever see within procurement um, is, that you're looking, putting more of a weighting on? So so in terms of our um, procurement process, which which effectively mirrors the public sector procurement uh-huh. process, we've got some um, uh, what we call qualification questions that we start every procurement with. Um, and having the right... Um, set of um of policies depending on your company size is a qualification question in 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 our um in our tenders so our accredited suppliers are always asked to um tell us what policies um they've got mm-hmm. size appropriate to, to the to the company so that is important to us just as a baseline um supplier that's accredited on our marketplace um and then um if there is something in particular that a particular project requires well then we'll draw that out in the specific project procurement mm-hmm. okay so um certainly sustainability it's you know it's coming much more pervasive and much more important to businesses um i noticed that um code clan which is 
um, based up in Edinburgh and Glasgow, but it's throughout Scotland now. They've actually launched a course on sustainability and tech development recently. I haven't seen much of that, but is that something that you have ever looked for in like a tech procurement tender at all within the public sector? Or um, is that something that you think is just starting to emerge? I think it's just, to, to be fair, just starting to emerge without without a doubt. Um, and uh, but but I have actually looked at Code Clan and, and I've uh, 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 forwarded the details to um, my CTA to see what we should be doing in that area. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting um, what what he comes back with on that. Um, I'm sure he will embrace it. It certainly feels like something that would be very much in line with those trademark behaviours you have at Bloom. Yeah, and so. So before I go, I've just got one last question. What would be your top tips for someone who is, you know, CEO of like a scaling business just now? There's obviously a lot of uncertainty in the economy and um, a lot of changes just in business in general with, you know, AI emergence and everything. What do you think are like the core fundamentals that um, you're leaning into? That you would recommend. So, I mean, there, there, there's no doubt that. Uh, so, so that word scaling is really important because um, it's it's a word that isn't always used correctly. I'm sure it is understood, but scaling is about you know do, doing more. Is is not as as you grow as a business is not increasing your resource on on a linear basis. Mm-hmm. It's um it's about doing doing more um, with. Um, Less, more focused FTE um, resource because of automation. So I think it's really um, in, ensuring that that when you are scaling, you are you are genuinely scaling. Um, and are you looking at all your processes and approaches and plans with that scaling um, view in mind? Um, so do, does your marketing strategy? Uh, address scaling in terms of how do, how do you reach more more customers um, more quickly um, than uh, the kind of traditional one-on-one sales type um, approach? How, how do you automate your your marketing? How do you automate your processes? And how do you put your, your people resource into that real expertise area, um, which is around being the expert, supporting your, your customers, um, and the relationship aspect of what you do as a business. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I think I recently recorded some podcasts, one with Martin Threecall and the other with Richard Quinn, where we discussed that exactly. Because I think within the tech sector over the last few years, it's been um, really easy to overhire. And there's been a lot of status around the rate of people growth within businesses, whilst there's been a lot of investment there. And I think now we're getting a little bit back to belt and braces and thinking about profit and turnover and year on year growth rather than, you know, looking at the financial metrics um, much more closely. Like I always think that it's quite interesting for me when I'm researching people for, you know, companies like Bloom that are wanting to scale that I try and find people who have worked in business that truly have scaled and that their revenue or their customers at least has 
increased faster than the rate of people. I mean, that's a really attractive thing for me to be able to say to a company when I'm presenting a candidate to them. But it is, it's, um, takes a bit more work. It's often overlooked and, um, hopefully it's something that, you know, we can all, um, get on board with in, in the true sense to help boost productivity. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, Amabel, thank you so much for sharing your insights. It's been really valuable and I truly think it's really impressive how you've embedded that culture and got those like values as actual behaviours within your business. It's definitely something that lots of people are you know, trying to achieve and you know, it, it even it gets harder to do that when times are a little bit tough. So it's been really useful and certainly that's that stood out to me when i've been dealing with the business so thank you very much for your time it's a pleasure rebecca very nice to uh to chat with you thanks for listening to the lucent perspective i'm rebecca hastings founder and director at the lucent group a tech sector executive search and talent consultancy if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. If you're a company looking to hire top technology leaders or you'd like to discuss your next move, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or send me an email to rebecca at thelistengroup.co.uk. Thanks again for listening today.